1: Number three of the look at right here on Beeson. The Sports Bank Network. A big thanks to Matt Humans who joined me in hour number two of the look at it. And big thanks to Dave Ross who joined me in hour number one. Now it is time to bring it home. It is officially midnight Pacific on the West Coast. If you're listening live, you're listening to the recap. Congratulations. It's 3 a.m. So you've got that and we've got follow the money that's going to be coming up this morning from Foxwoods out there in Connecticut. So if you're down there. Be sure to say hi to the guys. They're going to be down there today. They're going to be also down there Thursday and Friday. So we're going to have a fun-filled show there. But we've got a fun-filled final hour here of the look at. Going to be taking a look at some college basketball. I'm going to be giving you guys a little bit of something when it comes to NFL interception props as well. I'm going to be sharing with you what I like for this Wednesday card as well. So we've got a little bit of everything going on. How about if we start in the world of college basketball? We're going to be going with 7-11, 7-12 7-11, 7-12 on the betting board, Marquette, Kansas State. This one sees Kansas State as a two-point favorite, seeing a couple straight two-and-a-halfs out there as well, and your total is anywhere between 141.5 and 142. Now, this is a line that opened up with Kansas State laying three-and-a-half. Big reason why we've seen this come got down, Nigel Pack. He is the top scorer for Kansas State. He is shooting 48.5% from three-point range, concussion protocol. It is not easy for teams to go into the Octagon of Doom and be able to get a win. And by the way, if you're wondering, Octagon of Doom, one of the best names for any stadium out there. I will put that up against anyone. I think that they should have a UFC fight one of, those day, one of these days. So that way it can truly be the Octagon of Doom. But with that said, when it comes to Marquette, I think that they're going to be able to win this game all right. I personally set them as a point and a half favorite because you do have Nigel Pack on the full. Now with Marquette, they have been cranking up the tempo. This is a team that currently ranks in the top 20 in all of college basketball. When it comes to possessions per game, you've got a Marquette team that they've got, in my opinion, one of the best on-ball defenders in all of college basketball as well. That'd be Daryl Morsell, a guy that's shooting over 40% per three. Has come in from Maryland, has been nothing short of superb for this Marquette team. Meanwhile, with Kansas State, they've got a good grittiness about them. We always know that you've got a Weber coach team that is going to be able to do a very good job when it comes to this team. Bruce Weber always teaches good defense, but... But Kansas State doesn't have is really too much down low. That can be really the big bugaboo for this Marquette team. But with Marquette, I think that they're actually going to be able to win that battle. Because right now, your top rebounder for this Kansas State team, that'd be Mark Smith. He wanted coming in from Missouri, right around 8.5 points, five and a half, or 7.5 rebounds per game. But Justin Lewis for this Marquette team, 16 points, 7.5 boards. The guy that's able to shoot right around 78% the line, 31% from 3. So he's been able to do a lot of quality things. When it comes to this Marquette team now, with Marquette, they can be a little bit streaky from three-point range. As a collective, they're shooting in the neighborhood about 32, 33-ish percent from three-point range. So that is a little bit of an issue. And you've sort of noticed that it's not full-on havoc that Shaka Smart wanted running with Marquette that he's brought into town. But he has been able to do sort of like, I would consider it a mini version of it, if that makes sense. But then you take a look at Kansas State, they're going to be relying upon Marquise Noel a lot in this game. With Nigel Pack being out, he's been able to give the team right around three assists per game. And I think the way that you need to be able to hurt this Marquette team is being able to win the battle on the class. That has really been the main Achilles heel for this team. I just don't think Kansas State is going to be able to do that. When it comes to Kansas State, you've got Cozy Iziguo, who has been able to give the team eight and a half points, 4.7 rebounds. I am pretty sure that I mispronounced that last name, but we gave it our best attempt on that one. But he's been able to give you a little bit of something there. Ismail Moussad, right around four and a half boards per game. But these are guys that they really don't give you a lot down low. Mike McGurl has been not up to snuff this year. 19% three-point shooting. He's been a little bit banged up. So I take a look at this spot. I am not very bullish on Kansas State. They do have home court advantage going for them. But having Nigel Pack in concussion protocol, I think, means a world in this game. And I think that Marquette... Going to be able to pull this game off all right. So I take a look at them on the money line. And I do think that there's some relatively good value there. We wind up hitting on quite a few college basketball games when we had our good friend Matt Humans on the show. But how about if we go with one that we did not wind up hitting As We're going to go a little bit further down the board as we've got 731, 732 Weber State. Going to be in the road to face off against Washington. This is at the very end of the normal Las Vegas betting board, by the way, as this one, the later ones, they're going to be finding. But when it comes to Weber say they opened up a nine-point underdog. Now you're finding the summer at eight. Even at DraftKings, you're finding minus one of five juice on that eight. And your total on scheme, and he worked between 139.5 and 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 141.5. Now, it's a tricky spot here because with Weber State, I do have a lot of respect for the team. They bring in Kobe McEwen, the transfer from Marquette. They will give the team double digits, and you've got a Weber State team that has won the best in all of college basketball. At being able to threes, I think that they're going to have a tough time with Washington State. With Washington State, I set them as a nine point favorite. So I thought that the opening number was right. Now that we're down to eight, I'm gonna be taking a look at Washington State. I personally was hoping that we would be able to get double digits on Weber State as one that it looks like it's not gonna be coming through on this. But when it comes to Washington State, what they do a good job of is tenacious defense. You've got a guy in Kyle Smith, that he's implemented what he's called nerd ball with Washington State. It's where they've taken quite a few more threes. Effie Obadigi has been able to do a nice job down low for this team, and then you've got Tyro Ghost Roberts being able to give you right around 12 points per game, so he's been able to do a good job. Now, when it comes to Weber State, a team that shoots it well from three-point range, but they've been without Dante Bassett to begin the year, that has hurt them a little bit down low, and you've had Cody Carlson, a guy that at 10 last year was able to shoot in the mid-40s from three-point range. He's seen a little bit of a dip with regards to his production. Now, Dylan Jones down low is able to give you and a half rebounds per game, but when it comes to Washington State, I think that they should be able to do a relatively rock-solid job of being able to at the very least play even up on glass this is a washington state team that they do a good job of not beating themselves as well with regards to not turning the ball over and you have got a weaver state team that they themselves are a team that they are going to try to play a little bit more of a mid-tempo they really rely upon a lot of efficiency but i do think that washington state going to be able to do a good job putting the clamps down on defense, not a team that necessarily goes out there and gets a bunch of steals, but I think that Muhammad Gang Company going to be able to do a nice job down low. I take a look at Washington State laying eight, and I think that you've got some relatively good value there. So we're going to be looking to lay the points here with Washington State. When it comes to the total, this is a spot in which I want to take the total more around 150, just because with Weaver State, this is one of the more efficient offenses that you're able to find in college basketball. Washington State, they've shown a very big willingness to run with teams. Now, we've seen them in their last couple games against Arizona State and against USC. Low-scoring slogs. Now, a lot of that for Arizona State is because they just have no idea what they're doing right now. They wound up holding them to 29 points. I'll go out here on a limb, and I'll say that. Weaver State, of course, more than 29 points in this game, but I think that the recent couple of results have... Swayed this thing a little bit too much. And as a result, I think that we're getting good value here on this total. So I take a look at the over, and I'm going to be taking a look at Washington Say We've got a team that has yet to fail to cover a spread. That is going to be going down on this college basketball Wednesday as well. It's not necessarily a team that you'd expect. The big red of Cornell have yet to fail to cover a spread. And they are finding themselves a double-digit underdog as they hit the road to face off against Virginia Tech. This is 7 9 7-10 on the betting board, and you've got yourself Virginia Tech, who opened up an 18-point favorite, finding themselves in a lot of spots, anywhere between a 17-and-a-half to an 18. We're getting a couple 17s out there as well, so we're seeing a little bit of movement in favor of Cornell, and your total on this game, it has went up. It opened up a 143-and-a-half. You're finding it anywhere between a 145-and-a-half and a 146-and-a-half. When it comes to this game, you've got a really intriguing Battle of Tempos, because you've got a Virginia Tech team that they rank at the bottom 75 with regards to possessions per game. Cornell has come out, and ever since they wound up having their season pretty much ended by COVID because nobody in the Ivy League last year wanted to play, they've decided, you know what? We're just gonna gun it. They have been in the top 30 with regards to possessions per game when they're going to be playing against a Virginia Tech team that if you're going to be able to beat this Virginia Tech team, I think that you're going to need to do so down low because this is a Virginia Tech team that they've really tried to put themselves in the best position possible for positionless basketball. You've got guys like Kevia Lume, Justin Mutz, all these guys, they wind up giving you double figures. They stand right around six foot 9 They're able to bury a couple threes. With Mutz, he's been able to give you a couple of assists. You need these guys to sell hot dogs at the hot dog stand during halftime. You know what? They're going to do that for you as well, but when I take a look at Hunter Couture, a guy that's able to shoot right around 40% for three for Virginia Tech, I think that that's going to be a little bit of an Achilles heel for a Cornell team that, let's call it what it is, they have not necessarily been stout defensively this year. I've actually been very impressed by how a lot of these teams out of the Ivy League have been able to come out and perform, and one of those teams has been Cornell as a big red. They do a good job when it comes to Being able to hit the glass as well, but I take a look at their overall size. I don't think that they're going to be able to cause disruptions like you need to be able to cover this number against Virginia Tech. Now, Cornell, they are a bunch of which they've been able to do an okay job of being able to guard the arc, but when it comes to Virginia Tech as well, they do a good job of being able to dish and be able to go to the rim. So Murphy has been able to come in from Wofford. He actually followed his coach in Mr. Mike Young, and he's been able to do a good job with regards to this offense, so that is something that you're able to hang your hat on as well, but I think that Naheem aline who's been able to give the team 12 points, four boards, three assists, is gonna be very versatile. You've got a Virginia Tech team that, among their top four scorers, three of them are shooting at least 37.5% for three as a collective. Virginia Tech shooting 39% for three, 72% the free throw line, 10.5 turnovers per game, highly efficient team. I think that they're gonna be able to take it to Cornell I think Cornell's going to try to get their tempo. I think that Virginia Tech is going to be able to oblige while they themselves do a good job of being able to pack the box on defense. Set the total more in the 135 ish range. So I'm taking a look at the under in this spot. I think that you've got, got good value on Virginia Tech. Set them as a 20 point favorite. So I'm willing to lay it here. And when it comes to college basketball and what we're going to be seeing on Wednesday as well, I think that you've got an interesting battle involving another Ivy League team, as you've got Dartmouth versus Quinnipiac. 687, 688 on the betting board. Right now, you're finding the Bobcats of Quinnipiac as a three-point underdog, and your total on this game is anywhere between 136 and 136.5. This is another game that is involving a tortoise and the hare. This time, it's the Ivy League team that is really slowing things down. Dartmouth is playing at a pretty slow pace. You've got a Quinnipiac team that they themselves are looking to kick it up tempo a little bit more. You've got one of the top rebounders in all of college basketball, Kevin Marfo, who's going to be doing battle, but I'm going to be looking to fade, Mr. Marfo and company. I'm going to be letting you guys know why on the other side and we're going to be hitting a whole bunch of college basketball previews in this final hour, but also going to be taking a look at some NFL interception props on the other side as well. That is right here on The Look At as you're listening to Beeson, the Sports Banking Network, as we talk college basketball and NFL on the other side.
0: Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today.
2: From football playoffs to basketball madness...
1: The money is hitting the road today tomorrow and also on Friday Mitch Moss and Paul Howard they're going to be live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Foxwoods Casino and if you are in the area you can come down and meet the guys and be sure to tune in 7 to 10 a.m eastern time every Monday through Friday that is 4 to 7 a.m pacific time as we're back here on the lookout with myself Greg Peterson if you're listening to me live That'll be coming up in three hours and 45 minutes. If you're listening to the replay, that'll be in 45 minutes. If you're listening to this at podcast time, I have no idea when that's going to be coming up because that's on your time, but with that said, they're going to have a great show that's going to be coming up. Lou Finnecaro along Nate Tice, who actually does a great job when it comes to The Athletic as he's a podcast host, and you've also got Johnny Avell. They're going to be coming up on Follow the Money, so be sure to check that out. going to be a nice spectacle with them out there in the great state of Connecticut, but... How about if we go to the East Coast for basketball? Because I was talking about this game a little bit earlier, Quinnipiac versus Dartmouth. Right now, you're finding Dartmouth as a three-point favorite. And I think that they should be a little bit more of a favorite in the spot. Set them at four and a half. When it comes to Dartmouth, you've got some deadly good shooting when it comes to this team. Brendan Berry has been able to shoot over 40% from three-point range. He's shipping in there two assists per game. You might be wondering, is that any relation to Rick Berry? Answer, yes, that actually is. So he has been able to do a nice job when it comes to that. And when you take a look at this Dartmouth team as well, Aaron Ray. They will give the team nine rebounds down low. This is actually a pair of teams that are very top-heavy when it comes to rebounding. Aside from Aaron Ray for Dartmouth, along with Kevin Marfo, who led all of college basketball and rebounding two years ago last year. was just sort of glued to the bench at Texas A&M. Other than those two guys, you really don't have a single guy in this game that are giving their respective teams more than five rebounds per game. So I think that that's going to be very fascinating. But take a look at the Dartmouth team. They've already pulled off. A big win on the ledger. They were able to go on the road and they were able to take down Georgetown. Now, it's a down Georgetown team. That is for sure. At this point, I think that they might wind up finishing dead last in the Big East, especially with what Butler was able to do against Oklahoma on Tuesday. But I take a look at this spot. And I do think that it's a good one for the Dartmouth team. I think that they are going to be able to cover this number. They're a team that they do a very good job with their distinct style. And then you've got a Quinnipiac team that they've been relatively solid at being able to get things up-tempo. but. I was expecting more out of Jacob Bergoni. He wanted coming in for his fifth year. He's only been able to give the team right around eight points per game. He's perennially a double-figure performer, a guy that is able to be a little bit of a heart and soul piece. For them, and with Dartmouth, this is a team that they both hit their threes, and they do a good job of being able to defend the three. You've got Matt Blanich, who's been able to give you right around 16.5 points per game. Savion Lewis, he's been able to give out four assists per game, but also three turnovers per contest. You've got a pair of teams in Dartmouth and Quinnipiac. that get a relatively equal amount of steals per game, but with Dartmouth, they play at a very much more slow and controlled tempo, and I think that they're going to be able to do a nice job being able to slow things down, set this total at 130 and a half, so I'm looking under, and I'm looking at Dartmouth in this spot, wind we'll up setting them as more around a four and a half point favorite, so I do think that you've got some relatively solid value there when it comes to being able to unearth some value as well. How about if we look at a game that is going to have a very low total? You've got Air Force, and they're going to be hitting the road to face off against Montana. This is 705, 706 on the betting board when it comes to the Falcons of Air Force. They've actually looked relatively solid this year, and the betting market has given them a little bit of love after opening up a seven and a half point underdog. You're finding them anywhere between six and a half and seven with your total. It opened up at 125 and a half, and this thing has cratered. You're finding a 119 out there at DraftKings, and I think we've went a little bit too far when it comes to this total. Air Force is a team that they play slow. They turn the ball over a little bit too much. They don't really rebound, but. I set this total at a 123 because, I mean, if you do wind up having a game like this, and what you've got, a six, seven-point game with a minute left to go, you know what's happening. The team that's going to be down is going to be hacking away like lumberjacks, and they're going to try to get them to the free-throw line, so that is something that you've got to be taking a look at when it comes to a spread like this, but I don't think it's going to be quite like this. I've got Montana's 11-point favorite. Now, the big key for Montana is being able to get a little bit more out of the backcourt of this team. I like Cameron Parker. He winds coming in from Sacred Heart. At Sacred Heart, he had a game in which he had 24 assists in a game. That is the most for any D1 player in a single game ever. So he's able to do a nice job there. He's been ever since getting to Montana, north of 40% three-point shooter, but he only averages right around 6 to 7 points per game. I don't know why he's been so skittish to shoot, but he is able to find a guy like Robbie Beadley, who's able to give you 9, 10 points per game. So he's able to do a rock-solid job there. And when it comes to Air Force, This is a team that they do not have a lot of size. So I think that they're going to get completely bludgeoned on the glass. That is a big reason why I do take a look at Montana in this spot. And when it comes to Montana as well, this is a team that they've got guys like Josh Vasquez, who's able to shoot relatively well from three point range. Air Force A themselves, they look to hang their hat on being able to get some good three point shots up and in as well. But when it comes to Air Force, you've really got Ethan Taylor, who's been. The main rebounder for the team with right around six boards per game. And he's right around six foot four. He doesn't have a lot of size. He doesn't necessarily present a lot when it comes to matchup issues for this Montana team. Montana, I just feel like they were a little bit underachieving last year. I think that they're getting back to what they truly are. And I think that they're going to have the best player out there on the floor in this game, aside from AJ Walker. Walker for Air Force, 19 and a half points per game, shooting 43 percent for three. He is solid, but. Not going to be able to cover Josh Bannon. Six foot nine player that winds up coming over from Australia, 12.7 half boards. A guy that's able to shoot 48% from three with his size. This is a Montana team that they play slow. This is an Air Force team that they play slow. Both of these teams are in the bottom 50 with regards to possessions per game. I think that it's going to be a lower-scoring game, but I set my total at 123. When you wound up having the 125 and a half total winding coming out, I would have agreed that there's a little bit of value on the under, but I mean, this thing is cratered and I will say rightfully so. I don't think that you're going to see either of these teams getting to 70 or anything, but I do think that there's relatively good value on Montana. So I'm willing to lay the points and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under, or I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as well with the shift that we've seen to the under. You've also got an interesting team that It feels like they have blown more double-digit leads than any other team in the history of college basketball, and we're talking about the Pony Express, 695, 696 on the betting board, Dayton, and SMU. SMU finds themselves a four-point favorite, total on is 138.5. If SMU didn't blow so many double-digit leads, well, I'd be a little bit richer than I am right now because they have done so a lot, but I'm going to be... I'm going to be the gullible guy that is going to trust in SMU once again. I'm going to wind up laying the points here. When it comes to SMU, we've got a guy, Kendrick Davis, 20 points, five boards, five assists, shooting 40% for three with two steals per game. The guy is absolutely magnificent. And take a look at Dayton. They have been one of the more interesting case studies in college basketball this year because they started out the year in terrible fashion. They wind up losing on their home floor to Lipscomb, UMass Lowell, and the Governators of Austin P. That is not what you want to see. And then they wind up going to Orlando, and they wind up being able to get a trio of really good wins. They wind up taking down Miami, they take down Kansas, and then they're able to get a nice win over Belmont as well. So will the real Dayton please stand up? And I think that's somewhere in the middle of what we have seen in both of those results because in their losses, Dayton was shooting right around 26% from three. When they went to Florida, they shot more around 40% from three. I think that this is a team that overall they're going to be able to shoot right around 33, 34% from three. Now you've got Malachi Smith, does a good job of being able to just shot the ball. Four assists, two turnovers per game. A guy that's able to chip in there right around nine and a half points, four boards per game. Deron Holmes comes in as one of the more underrated freshmen, in my opinion. All of college basketball, 10 points, five boards, at Tubani Kamara, the transfer from Georgia has been able to give you six parts per game, but when it comes to the Weathers brothers down low for SMU, I think that they're going to be able to do a good job. Now, Marcus has really been the main one for this team. Michael Weathers has been dealing with a little bit of an injury, but what I think is going to be such an important X factor for this SMU team, both in this game and moving forward, that'd be Tristan Clark. Tristan Clark, you may remember, was one of the top players with regards to field goal shooting percentage before he went down for the season during the 2018-19 season at Baylor. Because he went down with an injury, it's why Baylor currently has a blueprint that they do wind up having with regards to the way that they wind up operating. So that is something that I think is really intriguing to look at because before he wound up getting injured, Baylor was just so content with him being able to shoot 70% before, give the team a couple blocks that they were willing to Pretty much have their good three-point shooters in a little bit of a lesser role. Thus far this year, only about seven points and four boards, but he was coming off of some pretty major injuries. It feels like he's getting a little bit stronger, so I think that there's going to be good value with SMU both in this game and moving forward, and Zach Natal was able to bust out in the team's last game against Vanderbilt as well. He was able to have 20 points in that game, transfer from Sam Houston State, I think, is going to have a big say as to what this team is going to be doing the rest of the season. And then you've also got an intriguing game between a, another very up-tempo team as you've got 697, 698 Western Kentucky playing out of Buffalo. Buffalo is finding themselves between a 3-3.5 three and, three and a half point favorite with your total anywhere between 154.5 and 155. When it comes to Buffalo, it's a bunch of which is shooting much better at the free throw line now than what they did at the beginning of the season. I was only willing to lay up to two with them. Right now, between 3 and and 3.5, especially the 3.5, I am taking a look at the points when it comes to Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky has been a team that has disappointed a little bit earlier this season, but I do think that having Cameron Justice back is going to be able to help them out. He's been able to do a solid job with double figures. Got a Western Kentucky team that they've also got Jarius Hamilton. Comes in from Maryland. Six foot eight player that is able to shoot over 40% from three point range. It's given the team 17 points per game with Buffalo Macy O'Jack being in the backcourt from this team has been able to help them out at the free throw line but I do have a little bit of a fear that Buffalo is going to wind up getting a little bit turnover happy in this game so a little bit briefer on this one but I'm going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to Western Kentucky. Not necessarily the money line but something else that is money. Looking at quarterbacks that throw interceptions. We're going to be hitting upon that next right here on the look at on the sports bank network. Holiday offer is here right now. When you sign up for our $99 mid season football special, you'll also receive a $20 credit to the VSIN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, data for the rest of the season, plus $20 to be a live VSIN sports betting, heads, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry up because this is a limited time offer, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift. That is at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. As we're back here on The Lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, holding it down for Scott Seidenberg, and we are holding it down with talking about a wide variety of things. We've been hitting upon college basketball a lot this hour, but got it on a little bit of football as well. As We've got some interesting props out there, and we've all been talking about odds be able to win MVP. Right now, Tom Brady has been the favorite, but how about if we look at the reverse when it comes to these quarterbacks? How oh, about if we look at odds to be able to throw the most interceptions in the NFL this season? A market that we don't necessarily talk about as much. We've got a decent prop tracker. I don't know if odds to be able to throw the most interceptions in a season is one of those props that are up there. I haven't seen it yet. Hopefully they wind up adding it because I think that this one is going to be absolutely tremendous. And right now when you find the odds for most interceptions thrown in a season, these are via DraftKings. Joe Burrow is right now your favorite at plus two fifty. From there, you've got Ryan Tannehill at plus four fifty. Lamar Jackson, he is skyrocketing up the list. He is now at five to one along Taylor Heineke. I can have a Heineke for that. You've got Zach Wilson at plus six fifty. Then from there, you've got guys that are 12 to 1 or greater. Trevor Lawrence is at 12 to 1. Patrick Mahomes, Matt Ryan both at 14 to 1. Justin Herbert is at 25 to 1. You've got Josh Allen at 31 and then. MacTech, Tech, Mac Jones, Matt Stafford, both at 50-1, to 1, and then from there, you're really getting into some long odds. Justin Fields, by the way, he is at 100-1. to 1. If he would have played a little bit more, there would have been a little bit more value, but I don't think that that's going to be coming to fruition. And if you're wondering right now with regards to guys that have thrown the most interceptions this season, because I think that that's what you've got to be taking a look at first things first when it comes to handicap of this, because when it comes to odds being able to throw the most interceptions, it's a question of, how many are you coming in with? And when it comes to this, right now you do have Joe Burrow towards the top of this list, obviously. You've had Trevor Lawrence towards the top of it all season long as well. But he's actually been able to slow down a little bit with his interceptions right now. Joe Burrow has 14 of them. Ryan Tannehill, along with Lamar Jackson, have 13. You've got Patrick Mahomes at 12. And then from there, with 11, Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, Taylor Heinicke, Justin Herbert, along Zach Wilson. By the way, it would be really hilarious if Sam Darnold winds up getting more starts and he winds up having this happen. I am pretty sure that is not going to be the case, but one can dream. By the way, Tom Brady has sense. So just want to throw that out there. I certainly don't think that Tom Terrific is going to be the guy. Although Tom Terrific that is reserved for Tom Seaver, but with Joe Burrow, I don't think that he winds up being the winner of this. I just think that he's going to be able to rein it in a little bit too much. Now, you do take a look at the Cincinnati Bengals schedule and not the easiest one moving forward. And I mean, if nothing else, Joe Burrows right now officially listed as questionable for the team's upcoming game. I think that we can both agree that they're most likely going to be playing in this game, but he's going to be playing in this game. So I think that he's going to be fine moving forward against the San Francisco 49ers suggest the entirety of the season. But when it comes down to this, I think that there's some good value here on Zach Wilson. Was Zach Wilson. He's just got absolutely nothing around him whatsoever. He's thrown 11 interceptions, but, I mean, when you take a look at the amount of games played, he wound up missing a few weeks for this team. I think that the Jets are going to be like, you know what, rookie? You can wind up just throwing it all you want. He has to play against the Miami Dolphins. If there's one redeeming quality with the Jaguars, they have actually been relatively sought on defense. You just ask Josh Allen about that, but I think that there's good value here with Zach Wilson because... I and mean, you just have absolutely nothing around this guy whatsoever. It's been just a big giant flailing mess when it comes to this team. Now he's without Keelan Coles out with an injury. Corey Davis has been on injured reserve. There's no offensive line. The defense hasn't been able to hold up. So you know that the Jets are going to be passing a lot. And if the Jets wanted to run the ball, they've got Tevin Coleman to throw the ball or to hand the ball off to. He's right now the team's one of the team's top rushers with like 243 yards. It's a Jets team that, man, you don't have too much here with them. I mean, the good news for the New York Jets is that they've looked a little bit more respectable recently, but I mean, my goodness, it's just a bad, bad spot to say the least. I really think that if you're looking for a play on most interceptions, got to be looking plus 650 with Zach Wilson because Lamar Jackson, he's a little bit of a dark horse for this as well, but I do think that just... Harbaugh, in general, is going to do a good job of being able to reel him in. You've seen Lamar Jackson make progressions as a pocket passer. Now, he made some bad mistakes last Sunday, including one really bad interception. But I think that Lamar Jackson is going to be able to avoid being in this spot. But the other guy that I think has good value is number two on this list is Ryan Tannehill. Because with Ryan Tannehill, now all of a sudden, he, for one, has to air the ball out a little bit more. Because Derek King-Henry is out of the fold for this team. And for two, with Derrick King Henry out of the fold, you've also got a bunch of wide receivers on the Tennessee Titans team that that are all sorts of bruised and battered now against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Once again, he's going to be playing them this week. It's a Jaguars team that they're able to do a solid job of being able to defend, and they really don't do anything else than they wind up playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We know about that defense. Secondary, pretty darn good. The San Francisco 49ers don't have the world's greatest secondary, but... You know what? They're a pretty solid defense as well. And you've got the Dolphins and the Texans. Now, he should be able to have a relatively solid performance against the Houston Texans or else things are really, really wrong when it comes to the scene. But shall we bring up the fact that the Titans, what about right losing once to the Houston Texans? So it has not been going well for our good friend, Ryan Tannehill. It's a guy in which you wound up seeing in recent years. He was able to do a relatively solid job when he wound up having pieces around him. But now you take a look at the pieces around him and It's just not necessarily a spot that you want him to be in because right now they've got Deontay Foreman who's right now leading the ground game. You've got a whole bunch of guys like Dez Fitzpatrick that he's going to be throwing to and is not a place where you want to be. I just don't know who he's going to be able to get the ball to and he's going to need to air it out quite a bit because you don't necessarily have a great ground game either. And by the way, if you're looking for a team that I think is currently leading their division that is at good odds that it could wind up missing out i think that the colts at nine to one to be able to win the afc south is actually worth a look i do recognize that the titans hold the tiebreaker but I and mean, if you've seen the science team the last few weeks especially that loss against the Houston texans this team does not look good right now so i do think that you've got yourself a little bit of a spot in which you're going to be able to get some good value there now. The other two teams in that division, the Jags and the Texas, I think that they're still listed. I think that they're at a thousand to one. If you're looking to take a thousand to one with them, nah. No, don't do it. I don't even know if either of those teams are mathematically eligible to be able to win the division at this point. They've gotten down so far, but I mean when it comes to Throwing interceptions. Ryan Tannehill has been able to do a great job of it. I mean, you just take a look at the games that they've been without. Derek King, Henry, and it's not been good for him. He wound up having four interceptions in that game against Houston, Texas. I mean, four. That's just absolutely ridiculous. In that game against the Saints, he was able to do a nice job. Didn't wind up turning the ball over there, but wound up having a pick in that game against New England as well. He's been taking between two and three sacks just about every week as well. So I think that this is a spot in which you might be able to find a little bit of value there. I do think that... It's a little bit funny that you do wind up seeing Patrick Mahomes at 14 to 1. I take a look at Patrick Mahomes and I think that there's no value here. He has thrown quite a few interceptions this year, but when you take a look at some of these interceptions, I feel like not all of them are created equally. Just like with us betters when it comes to when you wind up betting on a game and you wind up having a team not cover 14. I'll bring up Michigan State versus, Tol- versus Toledo from Saturday, for example. You wind up having Michigan State laying 13 and a half points in that game. They wind up getting up 15 with 10 seconds left to go. Toledo player winds up hitting a jumper at the buzzer. You wind up having that be a loss of the point spread because Michigan State only wins by 13. So, I mean, it counts the same as if they wound up losing the game outright. But as we know, their performance against Toledo, then winning by 13 versus losing the game outright, not necessarily built equally as well. I think that we could say the same for these interceptions just because we've seen so many balls go off the hands of wide receivers. Now, that is a little bit of an issue with that as well, but you just know that the brass of the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be able to drop some good plays. You know that Patrick Moans is going to be smarter than that. Matt Ryan, I don't think, is worth the world's worst look either just because you've been having L Patterson being the main ground game for this team, so that is not necessarily terrific when it comes to Matt Ryan. He just doesn't have a lot around him at this point, especially with Calvin Ridley stepping away from the team. And it's just a Falcons team that I have been high on in general. They don't necessarily have a great defense, they don't have a great offensive line. They're finding themselves down in games a lot. So that means that Matt Ryan is going to have to gun it a lot. I'd be staying away from the teams on teams that are. Let's call it what it is, winning a little bit more when it comes to Joe Burrow. He does have a good ground game. I recognize that Joe Mixon has been a little bit banged up, but that takes a little bit of the pressure off of him. He's got a good support staff around him, too, so I don't think that there's a lot of value there. When it comes to the odds to be able to throw the most interceptions this year, I take a look at bad teams, and I take a look at teams that they are dealing with a whole bunch of injuries, and that's why right now at the top of the list, Zach Wilson at plus 650. He is the one that is going to be getting my love for this one. So we took a look at that. Now in the final segment, we've got to be taking a look at everything that we've got for Wednesday. I'll give you guys some best bets, including what I'm going to be dishing out for the New York Post as well. So we've got a great final segment coming up of the look at on the other side, and that is right here on b the sports Betting Network.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: The v Bowl Betting Guide is almost here, with everything that you need to bet smarter on every single bowl game. This year's guide provides matchup analysis on 41 bowl games, including insights, trends, data, and predictions to be able to help you make your best bets. The guide is designed to be able to give you an edge whether you are betting on every game, playing contest, or just want to find a few key high-value props. This is a guide that is dropping on December 13th, so be sure to get your copy today For only $19.99, that's at vsun.com slash subscribe as we're here for the final segment of The Look At. It is myself, Greg Peterson, and got you covered all throughout the day here on the Sports Bank Network. If you're listening to me live, you're going to be hearing myself for another three hours. So either congratulations on that or I apologize about that. If you're listening to the replay of this, well, Mitch Moss and Paul Howard, they're going to be coming up in 14 minutes. From Foxwoods out there in Connecticut, be sure to stop by, say hi to the guys, but here in the final segment, got to give you guys a little bit of what I like on the betting board for this Wednesday. Didn't really find a lot with regards to the NBA because the big thing with the NBA is that you just wind up having a lot of injury information, so as a result, a lot of books wind up not posting these numbers up overnight, and on top of that, you just have strange situations in general when it comes to some of these back-to-backs as well, so it is something that I don't necessarily have a lot on. If I'm looking at anything, I'd be saying playing the six-half here with the Brooklyn Nets against the Houston Rockets is something I'd be looking at just because it is a fate of the Rockets in general. You've been dealing with Kevin Porter Jr. being out with an injury. Jalen Green is someone that has been missing some time as well, and you've got a Nets team that, even though they are coming off of a game yesterday, so they're going to be in a back-to-back, I do think that they should be able to do a relatively rock solid job of being able to hold down a rocket team that really other than Christian Wood, you really haven't had a lot of guys be able to emerge for the team when you've got Jay Sean Tate starting for you. You know that your franchise is right now in tank mode, so I would be taking a look at that. But when it comes to college basketball, I wind up doing a pick for the New York Post every single day. And today, we wind up going out west as you've got Arizona, a team that is quickly rising up by power rankings taking on Wyoming. When it comes to Wyoming, you're finding them as a 15-point underdog. Your draw this game, it has went up from 146.5, finding it anywhere between a 147.5 and a 148. I agree with the move. I wound up taking this a little bit closer to a 151.5 myself. Take a look at Arizona with regards to possessions on a per-game basis. They rank in the top 20. They have been very good on the defensive side of the ball as well. We can give Arizona all the love on offense because they are averaging over 90 points per game. They've been able to do a rock solid job there. But when it comes to points a lot on a per possession basis, they've been very good. But you know who else is really good with regards to their offensive efficiency? That would be the Cowboys of Wyoming. And the big reason why they rank 18th in the country right now when it comes to points on a per possession basis, they don't beat themselves. They are committing fewer than 10 and a half turnovers per game. You've had Graham E.K. be able to give you 19 points, 10 boards. He has been good. Hunter Maldonado wanted missing a little bit of time for the team. And while he doesn't shoot threes, he does darn near everything else. He's been able to give the team north of 15 points per game. He's able to reel in there six of seven rebounds. He's able to give out four assists. He's able to give you a steal and a block in every game. So that has been solid. You've got five different Wyoming players averaging at least 10 points per game. And then on the flip side for Arizona, You do have four guys that are giving you at least seven points per game. I like Christian Coloco, three and a half blocks per game. has been one of the better shot blockers in all of college basketball. It's a big reason why Arizona has been able to get right around seven blocks per game this season. They've been south down low, but this is a Wyoming team that they do a good job of being able to hit their threes as well. It's a Wyoming bunch of which they do a solid job on glass as well. You've got Arizona getting them outgunned a little bit, but when it comes to Arizona, they do allow an offensive rebound on right around 27% of, of of. opponents misses. That is in the mid-160s when it comes to all of college basketball So I think that that's going to be a little bit of a factor in this game. When it comes to Arizona as well, they're not necessarily doing a great job of being able to bang them through from three-point range. It's a bunch of which they're shooting right around 33% for three. That's one or 81st in all of college basketball. Wyoming is a bunch that they're able to match that as well. They're shooting right around 33% as well, so you've got a relative stalemate there. Both of these teams relatively solid at the free throw line, but I do think that Wyoming is going to be able to hold in there. This is a team that time and time again they wind up playing at elevation. They've already got a win against a Pac-12 opponent on their ledger as well. Now, when it comes to that win, they wind up getting that W against Washington, which Boy, have they fallen on some tough times at this point. But I do think that you've got a Wyoming team that they are going to be able to hold in here. I wound up seeing them as a 12-point underdog personally. So getting them at 15. I'm seeing a couple stray 15 and a halfs out there as well. You're able to get a 15 and a half all the better, but certainly do like this at 15. So I'm going to be taking a look at the points in this spot. Also got some. Big Ten matchups and some just conference games in general. They're going down on this college basketball Wednesday as well, which I always think that there are very intriguing spots. I'm taking a look at the seven that we're right now getting in the Michigan State versus Minnesota game. This wound up opening up Michigan State being a five and a half point favorite. And I feel like a lot of people are piling in on Michigan State because they look at it and it's like, oh, it's Michigan State versus Minnesota. Minnesota can't be any good, but. Minnesota is yet to lose a game this year. With regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, this is a Minnesota bunch that they have been nothing short of superb. Now you've got a Michigan State team that is shooting right around 36.5% from three-point range, so you give them all the credit in the world there. And I'd say Michigan State team, that they were a little bit inefficient on offense last season. They've been able to rectify that a little bit, but you do take a look at Minnesota. They're 31st in the country with points allowed on a per-possession basis. Ironically enough, Michigan State is 32nd, so both of these teams have been south there. Now, you've got the better shot blocker in this game on the side of Michigan State. That would be Marcus Bingham Jr., a guy that's able to give you three blocks per game, so he's able to do a nice job there. But I do take a look at what you've been able to get out of Minnesota, and they've been able to do a nice job of being able to mix and match. A lot of mid-major transfers. You've got Peyton Willis, who has come back. He wound up actually playing for Minnesota a few years ago. He wound up spending a year at College of Charleston. He's come back, and he's been able to give the team darn near half points per game. You've also been able to get a lot out of Jameson Battle. The George Washington transfer has proved to be one of the more underrated ones in all of college basketball. He's been leading the team with right around and a half points per game, so he's been able to do a nice job there. You take a look at Tyson Walker on the flip side for Michigan State, and he's been able to do a better job of being able to dish shot the ball, but he's turning the ball over nearly three times per game. Here's the guy that last year, at Northeastern, shot right around 38-39% for three-point range. That has taken a little bit of a fall off I do think that Eric Curry is going to be able to do a good job. Down low for this Minnesota team as well. A guy that's able to give you right around six and a half rebounds per game. Now, you do want to know with Minnesota. Sean Sutherland, the transfer from New Hampshire, has been dealing with a little bit of an ailment. A guy that has been able to come in, give the team 9 points, 4.5 boards per game. But when it comes to Minnesota, they are shooting right around 36% from three-point range themselves. And they don't beat themselves. 9.7 turnovers per game. Now, you can say what you want about Minnesota. Not necessarily playing the world's greatest competition. I mean, they start out the year playing against UMKC. But... And Western Kentucky is a relatively solid school. You've also got a Princeton Bunch in which they went on the road. They, they knocked off Oregon State. Now, Oregon State has fallen on some really, really tough times. I mean, this is a team that's won from the Elite Eight, and they've got one more win than the team of Greg Peterson. The Greg Peterson team does not exist in college basketball right now. One day. One day. But right now, it doesn't exist. So they are not having a great run there, but they did wind up going on the road. They took down Mississippi State 81-76. to 76. They've been one of the better surprises in college basketball this year. I think that they're going to be able to cover on their home floor. I set this number at four personally, so I do think that it's a case in which you want to be taking the points, not necessarily the money line. You do have a Tom Izzo coach team. He knows how to be able to get his teams up for these sorts of games. He knows how to be able to get the most out of them in the final minutes, but I do think that Johnson Company are doing a great job when it comes to the helm of this Minnesota team as well. So I do think that there's a little bit of value there. And then you've got... A couple of harebrained totals out there as well. What I think is going to be really interesting is this Idaho versus South Dakota State game. This is 7-13, 7-14 on the betting board. I have yet to touch upon this as South Dakota State anywhere between a 20 and a 20-and-a-half point favorite with your total at between 163-and-a-half and 164-and-a-half. I do think that there's value here with the potatoes of Idaho because I do think that they're going to be able to do a solid job of being able to hit a couple shots with South Dakota State. South Dakota State ranks in the top 20 when it comes to possessions per game. They've really been able to gun it. Douglas Wilson is someone that was the Summit League Player of the Year during the 2019-20 season. You've got Baylor Shireman, who is someone that is six. Over the last few years, has shot nearly 40% for three. But with Idaho, they bring in Mikey Dixon. He was a starter that was at Grand Canyon last year. He's been able to give the team double figures. And this is an Idaho team that, last year, they were one of the worst teams in all of college basketball when it came to... Just being able to put the ball in the basket, they really had no form of rebounding whatsoever. They didn't have a single guy on their team last year that averaged more than 4.3 rebounds per game. They've been able to do a little bit of a better job of it. Now, it's not like I think that they're going to be able to win this game outright, but you've got Mr. Versatile for this team, who's been able to give the team 14 and a half points, five boards, and three and a half assists per game in Anderson. He's come in as a little bit of a Juco transfer, and he's been able to do a tremendous job when it comes to this team, and when it comes to Idaho as well. You just got a team that is able to shoot it well from three-point range. You're shooting in the pocket of about 37 38% for three-point range. South Dakota State should be able to win this game outright, but I do think that you're going to be able to get a cover out of the Vandals, especially with South Dakota State being a bunch of which they are coming off of a little bit of a scare that they want to take against Prairie View as well. They've been playing some closer games. I think that Idaho, after they wound up actually being able to play very close with Southern Utah, going to be able to do a great job so that's what we've got right here on the look at coming up next you're either going to be hearing myself or you're going to have follow the money with mitch moss and paul howard live from connecticut as they are out there at foxwoods and we've got you covered all day long with everything that you need to be able to make some money right here on the Sports bank network and that would be decent
2: Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call.